Colossians chapter 3, and we'd like to begin reading with verse number 17. And he says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you again today, Lord, I do want to thank you for another privilege that we have just to preach your holy word. Lord, I realize the tremendous responsibility uh, that is upon me, realizing that I'll have to answer to you one day for every word that's spoken. So, oh God, I pray that you would set a guard before my mouth, and may I say exactly what ought to be said. I pray, God, you'd speak to hearts today, speak to my own heart, and may we leave here better prepared to serve you. Lord, I pray if there be one unsaved, this would be the glad day of their salvation. Heavenly Father, help us as fathers to be what we ought to be for you. God, I pray you give us grace to accomplish that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to bring you a message on this Father's Day on what makes a good father. Well, certainly I think one of the greatest compliments that could be paid to any man is that they be classified as a good father. Uh, you know, it's a great responsibility uh, to be a father. Uh, anybody can, uh, can bring a child into this world, but being a father involves a whole lot more. Uh, so, uh, you know, I thank God for the privilege of having a good dad. My dad is still living. He's 80 years old. And uh, I thank God for, for such a good dad as I, as I have. Uh, I have said that I would be a better preacher if I had more of the character of my dad. And all that I am, really, uh, I owe a lot to him. Uh, you know, what makes a good father is not uh, prestige or popularity, power, or your pocketbook, or pleasure, or any of these things that the world uh, seeks after and that is drilled in young people's minds as what really matters in life, and uh, you realize that uh, these things really don't matter at all, uh, that they are very unimportant. In fact, when it comes time to die, see how important they are. All the things that the world seeks after and that people are motivated by, when they get ready to die, they don't mean a thing, do they? And so... Uh, the things that a person is interested in and has their thoughts and minds on when they're on their deathbed are things that uh, we should understand that really matter. Now, there's some good fathers spoken of in the Bible. Abraham is spoken of as a, as a great man, a great father. Joshua also was a good father uh, there in Joshua 24, 15. And then there have been other men in the Bible, some great men, that were poor fathers. You know, you can be a good man and, and saved and be a very poor father. I think of Eli there. Eli was the priest of God. 
And Eli was a good man, but he was a poor father. And his sons, the Bible said, made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Eli, for whatever reason, he would not take on the responsibility of correcting his children. And he was a poor father, a good man, but a poor father. And then Samuel. Samuel's one of the greatest men of the Bible. Samuel, remember, was given back to the Lord and was brought there to Eli. Uh, I guess this could have been one of the reasons for Samuel's failure. Now, Samuel certainly was a great man and a great prophet of God. But Samuel was a poor father. And if you'll read the Bible there, you will find that to be true. And it may be because of, uh, of his uh, uh, being brought up by Eli there in, in, in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 8. And then David. David is certainly one of the great men of the Bible and uh, one whom the Bible said the Lord Jesus will sit on David's throne. And yet David was not a very good father. You will find that his family had, had many, many problems. Uh, his, one of his sons raped his half-sister. Uh, then uh, her brother killed him and, and he just had many problems even after his death. There was problems in the family. And, and David failed uh, in, in uh, being a good father. So uh, as we think on this Father's Day, what does it take? What is involved in being a good father? Uh, again, it's more than just fathering a child, bringing a child into the world. There's more involved in that. What does it take? You say, well, I want to be a good father. What does it involve? Well, there's some things I believe necessary to be a good father, and number one is Christ. Christ. I do not believe it is possible to be the kind of father that one ought to be without knowing Christ. A person may be good in other respects, but if we do not know Jesus Christ, we can't lead our children to Christ. And I want to ask you today, is a man a good father who leads his children to hell? Well, certainly not. And that's not saying that a man maybe is not a good man in himself. But I say a, a father will be a greater father if he has the Lord in his heart and in his life. It takes Christ to be the kind of father that God wants us to be. In Acts 7, 32, he talks about the Lord appearing to Moses there. And he said, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Three generations. Now there's a whole lot said in that verse that we may just read over it uh, casually. What is God saying? He said, I'm the God of Abraham and Abraham's God is Isaac's God and Isaac's God is Jacob's God. That's the heritage that all of us should desire. You know, I, as I mentioned, I'm glad that I, that I had a saved father and mother. My mother's been with the Lord now a long time. But uh, they were saved. If they had not been saved, where would I be? I may be saved, but I, uh, there would be a greater chance I would not be saved. But the fact that, that I had my grandfather was saved, my dad was saved, and now I'm saved, and my son is saved. And that ought to be our desire as a father, that I want 
I want that uh, the succeeding generations to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And it all started with Abraham there. Now, the actions and attitudes of a dad will be reflected in the child. Uh, you know, I favor my dad. Uh, and uh, uh, I have my mother's eyes. But uh, I look like my dad in a lot of respects. And that's normal. But also some of the actions. You know, I, I have noticed as, as, as uh, I've, I'm getting older, I notice some of the, uh, the, the actions and all of my dad. I can find myself doing those things without, without trying. I mean, they just kind of, it just comes natural. So those actions and the attitudes will be reflected in a child. What, what do you want reflected in your child? You know, what kind of what kind of actions and attitude do you want to leave to your to your children? Uh, we, you know, there's a great responsibility of uh, of uh, being a, being a dad, and the greatest the greatest desire that we ought to have is to build character. Character is what you are. Reputation is what men think you are. Character is what you really are. Character is what you would do if you knew nobody would ever know. The Bible said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, the greatest tragedy of, of, this, uh, of this generation is that we have a generation without character. And you can't build character without the Word of God and without Christ. To know the Lord, that's the most important thing. Uh, I read this story. These three little boys were talking. And you know how, how children are. They, uh, you know, they were trying to outdo everybody else. And one little boy, he said, my, my dad knows the mayor of the city. <laughs> Other little boy said, that ain't nothing. My dad knows the governor of the state. Third little boy whose dad was a preacher, he said, that ain't nothing. My dad knows God. <laughs> and there's a lot of truth in that little story, you know. I think the greatest compliment, the greatest thing that any child could ever say is my dad knows God. Do you know God today? You can. And you can. You, you need the Lord. You need Christ to be the kind of father that you need to be. Then, second of all, uh, important to being a good father is uh, the right kind of companion. Uh, you know, many men fail in, in this area of life. Uh, when a, for a man to fulfill his responsibility as a father, a lot of it rests upon the, the companion that they may have. Uh, many of a... Many of a good man has been ruined by a sorry woman. And may I reverse it and say, many of a good woman has been ruined by a sorry man. Be careful, and I speak on this often, and I think I need to, uh, to warn the young people uh, in this area of life. 
is so very, very, very important, this matter of who I'm going to spend my life with. You know, uh, a, a wife seeking for a, a husband not only should view that man as a husband, but as a father. What kind of father is this man going to be? That ought to be a consideration. Or if a man uh, and, and a wife, what kind of mother would this be? You know, those are considerations that many times are never thought of. And yet they're very important considerations. And certainly a man, I don't think, can be the kind of father that he needs to be unless he has a good wife. And thank God for a good wife. By the way, some of you were here Wednesday when I stuck my foot in my mouth. I want to tell you something. Guess what I had for supper last night? Huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's right. Had some gravy. Uh, but a good wife, a good companion is... A, if you weren't here Wednesday, you were kind of lost. But... Uh, a, uh, a good companion is a blessing and a good mother. And, uh, you know, I think being a pastor and, and uh, being away a lot, it became even more important in my, in my family. And so this is a very important decision. Now, in Ephesians 5.25, he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And that's, that's the difference between love and lust. Most marriages are built on lust. What I can get from you. And that kind of marriage will not survive. What is love? Love is the opposite of that. Love is what I can give to you. I'm willing to give up my wants and my desires to please you. That's love. And I want to ask you, do you have it? Is there real love? Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Love is given. And Colossians here says uh, that husbands, love your wives and be not bitter uh, against them. Now, not just talking love, but love demonstrated. Children need to see love demonstrated. You know, uh, many men grow up and they never know how to treat a woman because they, they, they don't have anything to observe. They, they don't see it demonstrated. They don't see it. They, their dad doesn't treat their mother right. And they don't know how to treat a wife. And it creates many problems. But uh, a good companion. Now, we're commanded to love our wives. I believe a good father will do it not only for the sake of the, of the husband and wife relationship, but also for the sake of the children. So, a good companion. Then thirdly, is uh, what makes a, a, a good father is, is children. It's kind of hard to be a father without children, isn't it? I want you to turn to Psalm 127, if you will, please. Psalm 127. Psalm 127, page 663, Psalm 127. 
Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Who do children belong to? They belong to God, according to this. There's a big debate, you know, uh, in, uh, in government. Who owns the children? The states say they own them. We, the children belong to us. That's, that's not true. The Bible said children belong to God and God gives them to you with the responsibility of bringing those children up for God. God said they belong to me. And since they're mine, you bring them up the way I say to bring them up. That's what God's saying. And we, if we don't do that, we fail. Now he said the fruit of the wound is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Now he uses comparison of arrows. Arrows don't grow naturally. You know, I like to shoot a bow. And you just don't go out in the woods and, you know, lo and behold, there's an arrow on, growing on a tree and you just pick it off and shoot it. Arrows have to be fashioned and formed. And that's the way children are. Children are born, children don't have character. It has to be built. Children are born self-centered. They're born sinners. Sometimes we forget that. They're born sinners. And they go wrong. Not right. They go wrong by nature. And they have to be fashioned and, and prayed for and, and taught and disciplined and all these things necessary for, for get the right product. Now he said, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with enemies in the gates. Well, you know, a quiver full of arrows, <laughs> a quiver full of children. You know, I hear this quite often today. Uh, well, when we get to we can afford uh, some children, and we're going to have some children. If you wait, you can afford them. You never have any. Uh, you can't ever afford them. Aren't you glad that your parents didn't have that attitude? I mean, you know, you don't wait you can afford them. You just have them. And they bring a lot of joy into the home. Yeah, they bring some heartache sometimes, a lot of heartache sometimes. But the joy, the Bible said, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. And I don't know, you know, the old folks, they had a dozen children, <laughs> and uh, I realize those were different days, but I wonder sometimes if we're not missing something that, uh, that they had in those days gone by. Happiness. Children are a blessing. Children are a liability as far as dollars and cents, <laughs> but that's not why you have them, is it? That's not the purpose. Now, with children comes uh, responsibility. In 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. What a comparison. God said a man that won't take care of his own children is, is, uh, is worse than, than an infidel. 
that's a responsibility. You know, I, I can't conceive of that. It's hard for me to identify with a father that has any love in their heart for their children that won't, won't provide that, you know, won't take care of their children. That, that just, I can't understand that. And I don't have any sympathy for someone that won't take on that responsibility. And it's a national tragedy. It's a na you know, they talk about uh, the welfare system. You've heard it in the news about reforming the welfare system and, and that uh, uh, a lot of the problems are, are single moms, you know, having to care for the children. My question is, where's those dads? There had to be a dad somewhere. God says that man is responsible to take care of his children. And God said if a man won't, he's worse than an infidel. Children make a good father and the responsibility of it. You know, when I was growing up as a boy and, and uh, I, I, I never realized all that was involved. You know, I mean, there was food on the table and clothes on your back, and when your shoes wore out, you got some more. And uh, uh, you didn't have the closet full. I mean, you, you know, when you wore out a pair, you got another pair. Now you you got to decide which pair you're going to wear. You know, but you just took all that for granted. But. Uh, uh, you know, when you, get a, when you get some children of your own and you get some responsibility of your own, then uh, uh, it's, it's a new ball game, isn't it? But it's good for you, responsibility. Not only that, but church. I'll tell you, to be a good father, a man needs church. Not send the kids to church. Take them and sit on the pew with them and assume that responsibility. I thank God I grew up where a church and a family where a church was, was viewed as very important in our, in our life, so important. We walked a, a great deal of my life growing up there as a young person. We walked to church over a mile each way and thought nothing about it. I mean, you just done it. And uh, we uh, walked to revivals. I... I, you know, I go back in that area now and, and some of these churches, I mean, several miles away, go to revival meeting, walk there and walk back in the dark, in the woods. <laughs> and sometime through a pastor where he had a mean bull. Uh, but uh, uh, those memories are precious. And I want to say... A man needs church if he's going to be the right kind of dad uh, that, uh, that he ought to be. And I believe church ought to be important. I believe church ought to be number one. And anything and everything should not keep us out of church. What are we teaching our children when we do that? And I see that, you know. I've been in the ministry long enough now that I've seen that happen. I've seen parents who were casual about church and casual about church faithfulness and, 
and they raise their children and their children grow up and they're the same way. I want to be faithful so I can set the right example. Now in 1 Thessalonians 2.11, he says, as you, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. And we teach more by example than by precept. So church is important to be a good father. Thank God for church. And then, finally, for the company we keep. You tell me the kind of people you run with, and I'll tell you the kind of person you are. I mean, uh, you know, they say when a man and woman, the longer they live together, the more like they become. And I think there's some truth in that. You become like the people you associate with. You know, some, uh, uh, I find some folks, uh, uh, folks I know uh, that uh, moved away from the mountains and, and went up north, and they've been there for, for years and years and years, and, and uh, uh, they grew up in the mountains, and they grew up talking hillbilly like I do. But now, you know, they talk, uh, talk Yankee talk. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. The point I'm making, the point I'm making is that uh, they, they've been there, you know, 30, 40 years, whatever, and they, they talk like that. And what happened is everybody, I mean, that's the way everybody talked. Well, I was up in Wisconsin a while after I uh, got out of high school, and, uh, you know, they laughed at us hillbillies <laughs> the way we talked, and we laughed at them the way they talked. And we had, had a lot of fun. But uh, uh, they've been there all that time and they, it's had an influence and now they talk like that. And sometimes people from up there, they move down the hills, you know, and after 40 years, they're talking hillbill. So uh, the point I'm trying to make is you become like the people you associate with. Be careful who you run with. I remember a story a preacher told. Uh, he uh, went to Tennessee Temple Schools years ago, and uh, they got all the new students in there. Dr. Lee Robertson got up, and, and he says, Young people, watch your company! And he went on to explain why. Anyway, the pre he finished there and went on, pastored, had a son. He grew up. And uh, God called him to preach, and he went to school over there. So he took him over there and got all the young people up. Dr. Robinson got up and said, Young people, watch your company! And on, 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 on he went to explain it. See, it hadn't changed. Good advice. He said that what he's saying is the kind of people you run with is the kind of person you'll become. B.R. Lakin used to say, if you lay down with the dogs, you won't get up with the fleas. Watch your company. That's what he's saying. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. It affects you. You can't help it. The kind of companions you have, the kind of people you associate with will affect the kind of person you will become. And parents, watch the company that your children keep. If you want to keep company with them, don't let your kids keep company with them. 
because it will affect them. And Exodus 20, verse 5 says, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Now that's the word of God. God says the iniquity of the fathers are visited upon the children to the third and fourth generation. I've had people tell me, well, it's my life. I'm not hurting no one but myself. If I want to drink liquor, it's my business. If it kills me, it kills me. Not, not hurting no one else. Well, it'd be nice if that was true. But the fact of it is, it isn't true. And the kind of life that we live will affect our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren many times several generations down the line. And I believe every action that we engage in, we ought to keep that in mind. How, what long-term effect is this going to have on my family and generations to come? What kind of effect is this going to have on them? I don't want to backslide on God. I don't want to get out and dishonor the Lord. Not only for my own relationship, my own fellowship with the Lord, but also for the shame that it would bring on my family and the bad example that it might set to them. Men, you want to be a good father. You know, the Bible says, this know also in the last days perilous times shall come. And then he says, For men shall be lovers of their own self. On and on he goes. What we need is some men that will stand up and say, I'm going to be a man.